Do you ever wonder why we worship the way we do? Why churches are run the way they are? And why on earth do we still trust the Bible as the word of God? Join us as we study church history, as we study the Bible, and as we study just a little bit of everything in between. Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. How are you doing today? Welcome to Back in the Day with Pastor Clay. We're so glad you're here. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your week, or maybe it's the middle of the week, whenever you get a chance to listen to this. Uh, But today, uh, I'm excited for what I get to talk about. So if you are familiar with a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, it may not be a great uh, recollection. Jonathan Edwards oftentimes gets a really bad rap about being this uh, Puritan, screaming preacher, uh, angry, ha- angry sinners in the hand, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God uh, pastor. And while it's true that uh, Edwards did preach a sermon entitled "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," if you actually go and read it. And really look at the the spirit in which Edwards, who was faced with all of this debauchery and sin and everything, um, uh, Edwards was really a different kind of pastor. He truly did care about his country. He truly did care about these people. And in a moment where he had an absolute fear that everybody he knew was going to hell he decided to take action. Well, today, I'm going to save Edwards for another time, and we are going to actually talk about his grandson, Timothy Dwight. Now, you may have never heard of Timothy Dwight, and I hope that as I share today a little bit about Timothy's life, that maybe you can find something to resonate with Uh, or maybe something will jump out to you. Now, Timothy was a scholar, for lack of a better terms. And if you're like me, uh, I love to learn and not necessarily go to school, but I love to learn. I love to read. I love to study. I love to know more things. I remember when I was younger, I would oftentimes uh, annoy my parents by recollecting several random facts that didn't really have much to do with anything, but they were random facts and I knew them. And so I could recite them. Well, you see, Timothy is going to show us that an obsession with something, if anything can be dangerous to our health, to anything. There are those who maybe have an obsession with sports, maybe It's an obsession with music or an obsession with money, an obsession with something. Obsessions oftentimes begin to take root in our minds. And before we really truly know it, what happens is these things become gods to us. So I hope you join me as we study a little bit about Timothy today. So Timothy was born in 1752. In 1752, if you don't realize, was a completely different time than it was today. 
Timothy was often late for dinner. He was predictably hard to find. And whenever his parents would find him, they would typically find him seated under an apple tree or uh, some kind of field, him in some kind of field teaching the catechisms to a congregation of New England Indians. He was evangelizing at such a young age. And he would oftentimes get into debates in the middle of the street. It is, uh, it's written that uh, he, as he would walk down the street, he would just engage people and begin open debates with people. And as I said, this is 1752. Things are a lot different in this time. And I know that I speak a lot about our differences in evangelism. The message has not changed. The message has not, but sometimes our avenues to get the message out has to change. And with everything changing, Ed, uh, uh, Timothy was debating people. He was going through and he was having conversations with people. Now today, this is very difficult to do in our own culture today, but he had, he would, he would get himself absorbed in whatever he was doing. And it said that he would lose hours on end. So he was the grandson of Jonathan Edwards. He was a child prodigy. And between the ages of four and 11, he taught himself Latin and geography and grammar and biblical history. He even began to study Greek, uh, which I can tell you is a very difficult language. And so he would dive in and at 11 years old, uh, he tutored people in Latin and Greek. And by the age of 13, he entered Yale University. And when he entered into Yale, he graduated by the age of 17. Now, this is an impressive record, even for this time. We have several other accounts of people that have managed to attend prestigious universities at young ages around this time. But for Timothy to do this at such a young age is still an amazing record. But unfortunately, this came with some pretty heavy side effects. It was a very difficult uh, transition for him to go from this four-year-old who would be teaching the catechisms to the Indians and having debates in the streets and losing hours on end to suddenly become an adult at age 17 and have to rely on himself. And it, it said that he, uh, he became enslaved to intellectual achievement. He wanted to learn more. He wanted to know more. And so he gave up physical exercise. He forgot to eat. He became so ingrained in his studies that he neglected his most basic of of, of primary health. And so after ignoring his body, his body began to break down and he was sick for months and in fact, there, there's a recollection that he was on the near edge of death. Doctors didn't think he was going to live and he, he, was, he, was, he was about to die. And unfortunately, it left him nearly blind. He would never be able to read again without immense pain or headaches. And he would never be able to write again without dictation. But Timothy served 
a God who works all things out. And you, you probably already know where I'm going with this. And since he could no longer read, he began to do things outdoors. He began to uh, talk to people. Instead of learning from these dusty old theology books, he learned from people on the streets. He began what, what I what I would like to think of as the original uh, candied camera or uh, the, the, the show where they walk around with a microphone and talk to people. He began to engage with people. He began to talk to people. And he began to learn so much from his fellow man that things changed. And then the American Revolution started. And, and, and Timmy joined the Continental Army as a chaplain. And so as he began to fight for America, uh, America's independence, he, be, he would counsel, he would pray, he would extort men to, to faith and courage in the midst of this awful war and awful fear and awful death that's going on. And in the crucible of all of this, God laid a calling on Timothy's heart that he was going to pastor. And in 1783, Timothy Dwight accepted that call to be a pastor. And he went to go pastor Greenfield, a church in Greenfield, Connecticut. And he would just dive into this church. He would, uh, he would still desire this intellectual knowledge. And he would begin to write, uh, with the help of dictators, a uh, rebuttal against what, it, what was at that time coming out of the French Revolution of this French deism. This idea that... Uh, that God was changing or that the, 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 the French philosophies that were taking root in a very anti-biblical uh, mentalities were coming into the universities. And so Timothy decided that his best course of action was to write against the, what these universities were teaching so that others could go and read them. And so it's 1795 God decided that Tim, he wasn't done with Timothy yet. And he called him to his alma mater. He called him to Yale to become the president of Yale. And when he was at Yale, something happened. You see this French deism, this schism that had begun uh, happening in Europe, this, this denial of the biblical authority, this denial of scriptural uh, integrity began to seep its way into universities just as it had in Europe. It's begun doing that in to uh, the Americas. And so in one, of, in one of Timothy's diaries, he writes something to this effect. He writes, I must draw my sword and enter into battle for the Lord is my guide. And what an amazing imagery that he leaves us. And so he found himself, what he says, at war once more. Not only did he fight in the American uh, revolution, but he found himself in the midst of this theological war to maintain the authority of the Bible, the scriptural integrity that, that, that God had left us. And by 1802, uh, this theology was so badly bent, was so badly uh, broken that people began to see and hear what Timothy was saying and, and, and think to themselves, man, um, this actually sounds pretty well thought out. And so revival began to break out on Yale's campus. They say over a third of all of the attenders of Yale 
would come to faith in Christ Jesus under this revival, under this debate that, that Timothy was engaged in, in the, in the integrity of the scriptures, over a third of all of Yale's attenders. And God would use him and be instrumental in a, a much larger revival that was about to take place in New York and New England and, 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 and into the Western frontier. And what we begin to know is the second great awakening took roots in everything Timothy Dwight was doing and what he was working on. And it stood on this. He understood that people were speaking untruth about the Bible. And he decided that he could, through what God had given him, speak truth into it. January 11th, 1817, Timothy Dwight would pass away from this life. And he would leave behind a legacy of a, he would leave a biblical scholarship for pastors. He would leave this evangelical revival that was happening in the midst of everything. And he would leave it all. And as I'm thinking about this, as I, as I, as I see all of this happening, there, there's, there's a verse that comes to my, or a passage, I should say, that, that really comes to my mind as I, as I begin to think about this. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author of Hebrews is writing, and he says this, he says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shredding, of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You see the great, great passage out of this. My son, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12, 6, the Lord disciplines those he loves. You see, when we go through this life, when we go through hardships, oftentimes there are trials in our lives. There are things that happen in our lives that are difficult for us to truly understand. And he uses this word discipline, which is uh, the Greek word pilevo, and what this means is to be taught something, to be taught something through, uh, to train, to teach, to educate, to teach. God puts us through things in our lives, not by accident, not just for enjoyment, but so that we may become stronger and God may use those for his glory. And that's the key word, his glory. You see, what I love about Timothy Dwight's story is he was faithful for whatever God used him for to give credit back to God. No matter the trials, losing his eyesight and, and not being able to read another book, losing the ability to write and not be able to defend or exegete properly because of your inability to write. Despite all of that, he stood strong and firm and he did not grow weary as the author of Hebrews is going to say in this passage, do not grow weary or faint hearted. Maybe you're here today and man, you're, you're growing weary. You're trying your best. You're doing all that you can. But if you're honest with yourself, 
you're growing weary in what you are doing. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted because of the love of Jesus, because he loved the mess out of you. He changes your life so radically. And because of that, that is your strength. When we grow weary, he has a yoke that is burden-free. My encouragement to you today is if that's you today, if you would just be honest and you would say, that's me today, my encouragement to you is that you would allow yourself to be used in a mighty way. Hope you guys have a fantastic week and we will see you all next week.